Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast. I'm Kate Campbell. And I'm Owen Rask. And we're here to give you the tools and knowledge to invest both your time and money better. If you're new, feel free to jump in with our Starter Pack series that aired in early 2022 or our Shares or ETF mini series. We've got plenty to share with you in today's episode, but if you want to catch us on socials, head to Rask Australia on Insta and Twitter. I'm also found at Kate Campbell AUS on Insta. And I'm Owen Rask AU on Insta. Just beware of the fake accounts. We'll never DM you about trading strategies or crypto. And if it sounds a bit weird, it's probably not us. And just one final heads up before we get into the show. This podcast contains general financial information only. Kate, welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. It is wonderful to be back, Owen. And we have a very special guest with very us today special. in the studio. No pressure. Tim Lowe, how are you going? Good, Owen. Good, good to see you and good to see you, Kate. Thank you for coming all the way up to level four and joining us in the studio. It's a it's a pleasure. No, it's great to be back on again. And obviously last year, you know, there was COVID and we had to do things from home. So it's good to be meeting in person for once. Yeah, yeah they say there's only three things that are certain, death, taxes, and Tim Lowe coming on the <laughs> podcast. So here we are. Um, we are going to talk about all different things today, about individuals and tax returns and deductions. But maybe just to kick things off, we might ask... What does an average day look like? If, if I'm not mistaken, your title is assistant commissioner. What does that look like? What do you do? Yeah, that's it's a couple of things. Obviously, uh, I've got a day job, which is risk, a risk and strategy role for individuals. So I basically review each of your returns. So I'll be watching really closely <laughs> this year, Owen and Kate. Uh -oh. But on top of that, uh, I'm also the tax time spokesperson as well. So you might have seen me around on TV or on, online on LinkedIn or somewhere like that. So... My role is there to kind of communicate to the Australian public about um, tax time in particular and, and helping them get the right deductions and, and claim the right things uh, and get their tax returns right the first time. We probably should mention, Tim, that you're from the Australian Taxation Office, the ATO. And if listeners are unfamiliar or they've only recently arrived in the country, what does the ATO do? Um, the ATO collects taxes on behalf of the government. So... And we use those taxes to pay for public services. So whether that's schools and hospitals or whether it's other public services, uh, that's our role, you know, to administer the tax system uh, for all of us. So I think sometimes people get into their mind that, you know, it's an us, us against them. But really, you know, the ATO is here to work for the community and, and that's that's our role on a day-to-day -day basis. How did you end up in tax, Tim? Yeah, how did I end up in tax? Or, you know, it's probably like everybody else, right? When, when you come out of uni, you're just, you're just looking for a job as a, as a graduate. And uh, I ended up uh, working at Deloitte and got a graduate role. Uh, and normally with those graduate roles, you, you have to do like a vacationship or something similar. So one of my friends at uni actually got one of those, but I didn't get one. Hmm. And he ended up going for a different job or because he, he, I think he wanted to be a lawyer. So uh, he... he vacated that position and they interviewed a few other people and I, I was one of those lucky ones and somehow got a gig uh, <laughs> at Deloitte in tax and so that was yeah nearly 20 years ago so 
yeah, I've been stuck in tax uh, for for twenty years, and um, yeah, I've just kind of bounced around doing different things in different forums. Like I'm a lawyer by trade, so that's where I started. Uh, after I was at Deloitte, and then I worked at BHP for a few years, uh, and then found myself here at the ATO. And do, I was doing a legal role, and then yeah, a few years ago, I got a tap on the shoulder saying, you know, are you interested in being the spokesperson for the ATO? And I was a bit <laughs> a little bit worried about that because I was a bit always afraid about always afraid of public speaking to be honest so yeah I really wanted to kind of test um kind of an Achilles heel for, for me personally so it was a great opportunity to to do it and yeah like yeah I've obviously put a lot of hard work into it but I've also got a lot of support from the ATO and you know whether it's you know the, the senior leaders or my colleagues yeah they've just been a fantastic support uh, since I've taken on the role. Mm. Now that everyone knows you work for the ATO, how does that work at dinner parties? Is everyone a bit scared of you? <laughs> I don't get invited to dinner parties, right? <laughs> so um, no, yeah. Look, I've always it's always a little bit uh, difficult to work out what to say because you know you know like my son just started school this year, right? So you're meeting a whole set of new people, and you, you, and then people will ask you know what do you do and. You just don't know what to say still. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like uh, once people know you work in finance, they're always asking for uh, personal advice, which you can't give. So Some freebies, right? Working for a freebie, right? Yeah. So, But yeah, no, it's been, um, yeah, like I think part of the reason for doing this role, and I joke about this, but I I do mean this seriously, is, you know, I want want our people at the ATO to feel comfortable when they go to a barbecue and say, yeah, I work at the ATO. Like people, I want people to understand that, you know, you know, public servants do a fantastic job, and yeah, it's 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 a credible privilege to be working at the ATO and and trying to help you know, people get it right, so we can pay for these kind of public services like schools and hospitals. Mm. And there's millions of people in the country that are impacted, right? So, yeah, it is um, privilege, and to be able to speak on behalf of the ATO is, yeah, I imagine, very humbling as well. Uh, every year, Tim, we hear through the media or something like this that they're changes or even just things that maybe the ATO is focusing on. And um, one of the things we wanted to talk about is some of the key changes for individuals claiming those work-related uh, deductions this year. Yeah, well, there's a few changes that are coming up this year. Uh, the first is the working from home expenses. So we know millions of Australians have been working from home. And so that's an expense that we expect people to claim. And we'll talk more in the podcast about it. But from 1 July of last year, so for this financial year, the, the working from home revised fixed rate method has increased from $0.52 cents per hour to $0.67 cents per hour. So that's a 28% increase. And the types of costs that are included in that expense are a little bit different uh, to prior years. And the other thing to kind of note is that previously you needed a dedicated workspace to use that. So you kind of needed a home office or something mm-hmm. like that to, to do that. But this year um, we're saying you don't, it doesn't matter because as a result of coming out of the pandemic, we realized everyone was working, you know, on the kitchen bench mm-hmm. or the, the couch or in the bedroom. So we wanted more people to be able to access this particular method. The second one is in relation to car expenses. So we know uh, millions of trans going back into the office and they're traveling a lot more uh, uh, between seeing their clients and so forth. So the rate or the cents per kilometer rate that's being, um, we, we're, we're allowing people to use is now 78 cents per kilometer rather mm. than 72 cents per kilometer up to a claimable amount of 5,000 kilometers for any work-related uh, kilometers that are used. So that's the second kind of key area. And then the third area is self-education expenses. So we are seeing more people, uh, if they have been doing um, extra studies, 
that are related to their to their work, um, they can they can claim that. Previously, there was a requirement that two hundred fifty dollars couldn't be claimed straight away. So now that that requirement's gone, so you can now claim your self education expenses provided it's related to your to your to your work. Mm. Mm. It sounds like some of these changes are really reflecting the way that we're changing working and living because, as you said, most of us don't have a dedicated office space. We are working mm. in the corner of the living room. That's right, Kate. And, you know, like for me, like when I've been doing some of these, you know, podcasts or, you know, even these interviews, it's, I'm, I'm doing it on the ironing board. So. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> it's a great <laughs> stand-up desk. Behind the scenes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, great, great stand-up desk if you're looking for a cheap option So um, and allows you to kind of – you can work from anywhere, really, with the, the ironing board and, and you can use it as a stand-up desk as well. So <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Are there any other changes uh, this tax time that are going to impact us as individuals we should know about? Yeah, look, one, one big thing people should, should understand is um, we do expect some refunds for people to be a bit lower this year or, you know, some people might even have a tax bill this year. So there are like a number of reasons for this, but the main one is the, the, the low and middle income tax offset, which ended last year. So that was equivalent to about $675 to $1,500 for incomes up to $126,000. So that's no longer in place. And so we do expect, you know, people's refunds to come down uh, in that in that regard. Uh, one thing we always say to people is if you are, you know, overwhelmed and getting behind with your tax, that it's important that you, you contact us at the ATO. You know, we're here to help. Or speak to a registered tax agent if you, you have one. Um, it's important, you know, you don't bury your head in the sand because that's the worst thing you can do. The best thing to do is, you know, communicate with us or speak to a registered tax agent. Mm. Yeah, I, I must, speaking from experience, I must say that that's always been a great experience. Like, a, it's a, a positive experience to just stick your head out of the yeah. sand and yeah. uh, to speak to your agent or Correct. the ATO directly. No, that's right, Owen. Yeah. Um, so, we're obviously, you know, here on the podcast talking tax and one of the things that uh, everyone wants to know like what are some of the common deductions that individuals are claiming yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because not, not necessarily here for tips but just but, looking for like what what do you see from the ATO's perspective yeah look what it when it comes to deductions you know we want people to claim what they're entitled to nothing more nothing less I've said this mm. like heaps of times right but that's really what we're about we're not here to say no deductions right but it really depends on the job that you have. So we've got nearly 40 occupation guides on the ATO's website that can really help you work out what you can can and can't claim this mm. tax time. But in terms of what we're seeing, um, you know, when it comes to car expenses, I mentioned before, you know, we saw nearly 3 million people claim car expenses uh, last year. And there's effectively two methods that you can use. And I'm sure your listeners will know about this, but I'll mention them again. You've got the cents per kilometre method that I mentioned before, and you've also got the logbook method uh, to calculate your deduction as well. Now, if you're using the cents per uh, kilometre method to calculate deduction, you know, this rate's increased from 72 cents per kilometre to 78 cents per kilometre for this financial year. So it's just really important to remember that uh, when you use this particular method, you own your car for work purposes, and it does include uh, those regular trips between home and, and the office. So if you, you know, you're going off to the shops for and uh, get some snacks for working from home, that's not going to count uh, as a as a work related trip. So, I'll, and the other thing to note with that method is that it's an all inclusive method. So it covers things like your um, decline in value, uh, your in- insurance, rego, maintenance, repairs, and anything associated with your car. So you can't claim any of these costs on top of that particular method. 
Um, now, if you're using the logbook method, um, you, you need to make sure you've got a valid uh, logbook to, to determine the, the work-related percentage uh, use of the car, uh, and you've got evidence of that. So the big thing we always say is you've got to make sure that you've got the records to support whatever method you're using, mm. right? So that's that's always our kind of our, our foundation, whether it's car expenses or working from home expenses. If you've got the records, you've got the choice to use the particular method that works for your circumstances. Uh, and the other thing we always kind of see people get wrong a little bit uh, when it comes to car expenses is typically speaking, you can't claim the trips from um, their home to the office uh, as a as a car expense or, or tax deduction. So, and that is regardless of, you know, how far you work, you know, you, how far you live from your, your office. So that's just something for people to kind of remember. Mm. Sorry, Owen. Yes, I do live a long way from the office. So. <laughs> you had a COVID tree change. Yeah. A tree change, yep. Yeah, yeah. I'm not regretting it, no, but no, no, it no. is a long way to drive in, um, particularly when you're in the city till midnight last night and yeah. then here at 6.30. Yeah, so. You might as well stay, sleep over probably. <laughs> that's it, yeah. yeah, that was one of the options. Yeah. Uh, how about in terms of, are there any types of things that come up where, I don't know, what would you call them? Uh, funny claims when Fun- people try to claim things that they're not supposed to claim that uh, have grabbed your attention in the last year. Yeah, look, there's obviously people working from there was plenty of kind of expenses that were coming through the mm. coming through to the keeper. Uh, <laughs> look, you know, people, you know, when they were doing Zoom calls, you know, Melbourne's really cold. So a lot of people were trying to claim their Ugg boots as a tax deduction, which, you know, that's considered <laughs> to be conventional clothing. So you can't <laughs> claim that as a tax deduction. Uh and then we've seen people trying to claim things like their Apple Watches, you know, saying it's you know, they need it for work, but but really, you know, they're just an office worker, so they don't really need an Apple Watch for, for those particular <laughs> purposes. So those are a couple of things. And then the thing that always comes up is people trying to claim their food. So they'll try and claim the tea, coffee, Tim Tams, because they're you know their their employer at work um, provides it for them, so they think they can spend it. You know they can claim that uh, mm. when they're working from home. But those cons- things are considered to be private expenses. So yeah, we knock those ones out uh, pretty quickly. But like it, yeah, every year you see people trying to claim different things, and yeah, obviously the, my guys are looking very closely at that, and they get a bit of a chuckle sometimes. But yeah, they get knocked out. <laughs> Got to get quickly. your life somewhere. <laughs> you have to. You know, we, we're tax people, so you know we don't get a lot of opportunities to laugh about things. So. <laughs> Yeah, this is good. Yeah, so we do see that, but we do knock them out pretty quickly. Mm. Yeah, I know one of your team members shared an example where there was an accountant looking to switch careers and become an opera singer, and they were claiming deductions for opera gowns and a trip to Italy, which made me laugh a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it made us laugh when we saw it as well, Kate. Okay. <laughs> um, so how about like things like clothing and laundry-related expenses, Tim? Um, this is something that a lot of businesses, like obviously you see people like myself yep. with a branded jumper on or you see tradies with whatever, you know, wearing their, the company's logo and whatever. How, what can you tell us about this? Yeah. Oh, and look, when it comes to clothing laundry claims, obviously they're, they're common expenses that people try and claim. But one thing that people tend to forget is that you can't really claim a deduction for buying or repairing or cleaning conventional clothing. So, you know, even if your employer says, you know, the clothing's compulsory and you can only wear it at work. So things like, you know, mm-hmm. Black pants worn by waiters, you know, business attire worn at the office, so, you know, suits, uh, you know, jeans and jewel shorts worn by trades, like those kind of things can't be claimed. But you can claim things uh, like, you know, safety equipment. So if you're a tradie and you've got steel cap boots, uh, 
um, that you need to wear on a work site, you know, those things can be claimed. So it really depends, again, you know, on the job that you have and, and whether something's like, uh, you know, as I said before, if it's it, that conventional clothing, you're just not going to be able to claim a tax deduction for that. Mm. So that nice jacket you've got, you're not claiming that in your tax return, Tim? No, even though, uh, <laughs> look, some people, tr- like, again, one of these other funny claims, someone was trying to claim the fact that, you know, they had to be dressed nicely, they had to, because um, they were seeing clients, so they, they had to claim a suit, they had to claim a, uh, their grooming expenses, <laughs> makeup, and I was thinking to myself, you just can't do that. Man. Mm. Yeah, Even I can't do that, and I'm going on TV. and you know, <laughs> so Not that you probably don't need it for radio, but, um, but yeah, it, you know, it really has to be related to, to your, deriving your, your income as a, as, a, as a professional. Yeah. 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 Um, so the big one, Tim, which you've already mentioned a little bit, is uh, working from home. We see some organisations bring employees back to the cities, back to their offices. Um, we are lucky enough to work from home a few days a week, uh, as are many people around Australia. So you mentioned there were some changes there. Um, what should people be aware of this year? Look, you know, in terms of the stats, you know, we had 5 million Aussies claiming working from home expenses. We know lots of Aussies have been working mm-hmm. from, you know, from home, but we know millions of Australians have, uh, millions of Australians have headed back into the office. Um, you know, the, you know, the trains and trams in Melbourne are packed, packed unfortunately. Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> yeah. Everyone knows it's packed. So we know people are going. We've, we've checked the figures, you know, the traffic figures, you know, in the city of Melbourne and other other cities as well, just to make sure to, to kind of map, map out, you know, what we're, we're seeing in terms of that data. Mm. And, and we know millions of Australians have headed back into the office. So we know working from home claims can't be the same as it was last year. So we're, we're telling people, you know, you can't copy and place last year's claims. <laughs> so that's something that people should be aware of. But when it comes to claiming working from home expenses, you know, this tax time, we spoke briefly before about the revised fixed rate method. And mm-hmm. then we've always had the actual cost method that was that, that has always been available. And I'm, as I mentioned before, mm. I'm going to sound like a broken record. <laughs> you know, the records are key, right? The records are key because it gives you the choice. So you can either use the revised fixed rate method or the actual cost method if you've got really comprehensive records. And mm. then you can either work out on one of our calculators on the ATO's website to work out what gives you the best result, or you can even speak to your registered tax agent and say, hey, what's going to give me the best result this tax time? I've got all the May records. May as well take here. the best result. That's what, and we want you to do that. If you've got the records, we, mm. want you to, we, we want you to take the best result. Now, when it comes to the revised fixed rate method, um, the types of costs that are included in that 67 cents per hour that I mentioned before are things like energy costs, so electricity, cooling, heating costs, uh, things like um, stationary c- computer consumables. And those are really hard to apportion in costs like internet and phone costs. So those costs all include that 67 cents um, per hour method. Um, and so that's that's effectively what you can claim under that method. And so now there's kind of no excuse if you want to call your mum and dad. That's not going to affect your working from home deduction anymore because it's all bundled up in that 67 cents per hour. And as long as you've been working from home, you just multiply the 67 cents per hour by the number of hours you've been working from home. And uh, when it comes to other types of those big ticket item expenses like um, laptops and computers and second monitors and the like. Yes, you can claim a deduction uh, as a decline in value or depreciation deduction over a number of years if the item is more than $300. So that's on top of your 67 cents per hour um, fixed rate um, deduction. And then the other method, as I mentioned before, is the actual cost method. That hasn't changed. And that's a more complicated method. You need really good records to, to mm. use that particular method. And what type of records, apart from 
your employer vouching mm. that you worked from home three days a week? Like, what what kind of records? You've mentioned records, so yeah, no. Look, so for this year, we've we've got a transitional period. If you're using the revised fixed rate method, so from one July last year to the twentieth of February this year, you just need a representative period to show how many hours you've kind of worked at home. Mm-hmm. So that could be a diary or timesheet entries, kind of over you know, say four week period. From the 1st of March of this year to the 30th of June um, this year, you just need to make sure that you've got a diary or timesheet entries that are contemporaneous to, to document how many hours you've been working from home. So it's a bit more, I wouldn't say it's more rigorous, you just, you just, it's just like a weekly timesheet or, yeah. and you can just get it from your employer. Could um, that be your Google calendar? Yeah, it could just be like something like that. As long as you can evidence if someone was to mm. audit, if we were to audit you, then you just need to make sure you've got those records. Mm. Um, and like I said before, if you've got really good records, there's nothing to worry about. So um, the other thing to kind of keep in mind is with this, the revised fixed rate method is that um, you need to keep it like an invoice or bill for one of the expenses that you might have incurred. So if you've incurred internet costs, just need to have the internet bill. Yeah, most of us would have that in our everyone's email inbox. Somewhere. Yeah, everyone's got it. I think the key is, I think you might have mentioned this last year, Kate, that your idea of having an email folder. Yes. With mm. all yeah. your, your tax receipt. That's a great idea, right? Um a better uh, another idea is obviously using the ATO app. That's another way you can kind of funnel all your expenses into the one location. So then, when it comes tax time, you know it's a bit easier to kind of make sure you're capturing all the deductions you're actually entitled to. So if you've got a good spot for that, that's always really helpful. Um, and again, with, when it comes to the depreciating assets that you want to claim, again, you need those records. So the receipts um, of when you bought it, uh, how much it was cost. Typically, you'll have these, right? Because mm. If you want the warranty for the product, you're gonna to have to have the receipt. So you're gonna have these records uh, in your in your in your um, toolkit. The other thing to kind of note is, um, which we haven't talked about, is around the work-related component and the and the private component. So especially with your depreciating assets. So if you're using the laptop solely for work, you know you can claim a decline in value deduction for the entire amount over a period of years. So a laptop's normally two years, uh, but if you're using it for like you know games and stuff like that, mm-hmm. then that's a different story. You've got a, a portion for the how much you use it for the gaming and how much you use it for work. I feel like that's tricky, Tim, because, I mean, I watched a Netflix show on this laptop the <laughs> other day and so suddenly my work laptop became personal for an hour. Yes. But it was a finance show, Kate. It was a finance <laughs> show for the finance podcast, so I'll no, give you that one. So that might be okay. So I think I want to just save you soon. We'll, we'll, you know, if we order you, Kate, we'll, we'll get Owen in to vouch for you. All right. We'll have records of that. Yeah. Yeah. We've got we, my we Netflix watch on this. We did an episode on this, so. Um, No, but records are important and we have Mm. spoken, as you mentioned, Tim, on the show in the past, whether it's having a Google Drive folder, a Dropbox Mm. folder, a folder in your inbox. So Mm. I personally have a folder that's just called tax and anytime there's a charitable donation I make, there's something that's relevant to tax time, like I've received income from my shares, I just drag all of those emails into the tax folder and then future me sorts it out at tax time. And I try to keep a Google sheet with just like a list of all of the things as they come because it does take a while sometimes to sort through that folder. Mm. No, that's very organised, Kate. I should be doing something similar myself. But (laughs) um, yeah, that's a really great idea and it's really important because, you know, who knows what happened last week, let alone what happened the 1st of July last year. So, mm. you know, having those records in the one space is really important. You know, we always talk at the ATO about the My Deductions tool within mm. the ATO app. Mm. We think that's a you know fantastic way where you can just take a photo of your receipt and you pop it into the app and then and then come tax time, you can it uploads into MyTax if you're doing it yourself or you can actually send it 
via email to your actual registered tax agent. So it's all there in one spot. Makes it easier for them or makes it easier for you if you're lodging your tax return yourself. And the other thing about the ATO app is you can um, also check your super balance. So we know lots, you know, super is mm. really important for people uh, for their future. future, uh, And that's a really good place to actually see what the balance looks like instead of it being you know tucked away in another email from your super yeah. fund. So... Look, yeah, there's a couple of good reasons for using the HR, but you know, likewise, you know, your your uh, routine, Kate, is a really good one as well. How do long you, do you have to? Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, how long do you have to keep the records yeah. for? Yeah, yeah. Typically speaking, when it comes to record keeping, it, it's five years from the date of uh, your lodge. But there's also these little differences where, for example, um, you know, if you're claiming kind of prior year losses, you might you need to keep five, the losses five years out of, after you utilize those losses. But typically speaking. You know, we always advise, you know, five years plus making sure you've got digital records as well because mm. sometimes with the receipts, they fade over time. So it's better to have the digital record uh, yeah. in, in, your, in, your record, uh, in your toolkit. I was just going to ask, do sole traders and small businesses use the app as well? Yeah, well, um, if you're a sole trader, you can. Um, so you absolutely can use um, that that app. Um, with small business, obviously, they've got their own kind of natural accounting system that they mm. can turn to um, to kind of record their uh, information. It really depends on, obviously, Owen, to, to your point, yeah, the type of, uh, I guess, business you're trying to run. So, um, yeah, if you're a sole trader, you can use use this tool. But, yeah, if you're a small business, you typically use, you know, one of your own natural system, accounting systems. Yep. Yeah, I'll definitely promote the logging into your MyGov account mm. and jumping into the ATO website because, as you mentioned, you can see your super balance. You can also see if your employer's been paying it. Yep. You can check your HEX. Yep. Um, if you've got a student loan, see what's happening there. You can check if your employer's been paying you and all of that sort of stuff. And your yeah, employer. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of things there and it might take a while to set up the account, yeah. especially if you lose the password mm-hmm. like I did the other year, yeah. but it has a lot of information there That's in right. one spot. Mm. That's right. How about for investment, Tim? We talk a lot on this show about mm. investing, whether it's shares or ETS, maybe people investing in property, whatever. When it just, If you could speak to that generally, yeah. um, what, what do you see from your side of the fence and um, what records people should be keeping? Yep. So- from our side of the fence, it's all about the records. I've said it a few times there. <laughs> but that's that's kind of the key thing. So, you know, when you've got investment like ETFs and shares and the like, you know, we want people to have their buy and sell contracts. You know, when it comes to property, it's, you know, the sale agreement. You, you need those kind of inf- that information. You know, the other things we like people to have is the bank statements, mm. you know, the dividend or distribution statements from for the shares or from, from the ETFs. Uh, and any kind of um, exchange records if you've been investing in crypto. So one thing we always say to people is, you know, download it every three, you know, three months just to make sure you've got a good record of, the, you know, what you've invested in crypto. And the other thing I always say to people is make sure you've got receipts or invoices for the expenses that relate to those investments as well. So you want to make sure you're not just including the the income side of piece um, make sure you've also got the deduction piece as well so you can kind of um, you know get your tax return right and mm. which, which is including the income and also making sure that you're claiming the deductions relevant to that investment as well mm. the other types of records we, we also like to see from people when it comes to lodging your tax return is you know the dates you bought the investment that's really crucial uh, and and particularly if you're buying crypto making sure you've got the Australian dollar conversion of of the crypto that you've purchased uh, and as I mentioned before the, the expenses are really crucial so particularly with property it's something that we're obviously mm. focused on this year we are seeing a few mistakes being made 
when it comes to interest deduction. So we are seeing people um, refinance their property to, you know, buy a Tesla or go on a trip to Bali, and, and they claim the entire amount, uh, entire interest amount as a a, a rental uh, interest deduction, which you can't do. You've got a portion for, mm. for the amount that you use for the rental property versus how much you use for the um, the private expense. We had one question that came through from our audience because I did open this up to the crowd a while back, but one of the questions was earning income as an employee and also being an ABN holder at the same time. Like, How does that work? Yeah, look, simply put, you know, we know lots of people, in fact, you know, a million people have nearly have second jobs or a side hustle. So we know people are salary and wage earners, but also are running a, in a side hustle on the side and they've got an ABN uh, and, and they're, they're doing really well. And we, we, that's great news. I think from our perspective, it's about, again, making sure you get your tax return right. So that's including all your income. So if you've got a side hustle, you're making money regularly, that's that's declarable. You need, a, you know, you need to have an ABN. You probably need to register for GST, especially if you're earning more than $75,000 in turnover. Uh, and you need to also keep, make sure you've got the deductions as well. So it's, it's, it's almost the opposite side of the equation. It's making sure that you've got the records to demonstrate that you've got these deductions that relate to your side hustle or business. And, you're, and then if they're work-related, they can be claimed uh, as a tax deduction. When it comes to completing the tax return itself, uh, you've got to make sure that you keep, complete the main aspect of the tax return, but also complete the business and professional items schedule as well. Uh, and, and in that space, that's where you can claim all the relevant uh, expenses associated with your business uh, in that particular schedule. Mm. I know that's one area that it can be really helpful to use an accountant for because yeah. when I've done that in the past, there was a, a lot of different things to fill in. Yeah, it's not nearly as straightforward, for, yeah. at least from people that are not from a finance yeah. background. Uh, how about if someone's a contractor? Yeah, look, as a contractor, you, you know, you mentioned before, and you, you know, you can be a sole trader or you could, you know, you know, incorporate a company, mm-hmm. um, partnership or trust. So it really depends on your operating structure in terms of how you complete your tax and super obligations. And obviously, if you're, you're a contractor, you know, you're going to have different tax and super obligations compared to a salary and wage earner uh, in, in that respect. You know, our advice for contractors is to make sure you've got, you know, you've put some money aside to cover your tax obligations, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the year. Um, you know, pay as you go installments uh, is something that, can help you kind of make sure you're managing um, that in a, in a really proactive manner. And for, the, for your listeners out there, you know, pay-as-you-go installments, so that are those regular prepayments of the tax uh, on your business and investment income. So when you do that, it just moves out your, your cash mm. flow uh, when it comes to your tax, um, tax obligations come tax time. Um, so with the pay-as-you-go installment regime, you can enter that voluntarily um, or, you know, when you kind of, get past certain thresholds we also um, put you into that um, system mm. as well but it, you know going back to you know, as a contractor you're, gonna, you're just going to make sure that you know you complete and lodge your you know activity statements um, that you get from us you know report and pay GST on a, on an activity statement if you, you are registered uh, keep your records as I said before and and the other thing that we also remind you know, contractors to do is just make sure you understand whether you're receiving, you know, receiving personal services income as well. Yeah. Um, Barefoot Investor, Scott Pape wrote about this recently about how he thinks about it and puts money aside for his tax bills and all that sort of stuff. And I definitely see it working with a lot of small businesses um, in an inability to predict. So those like quarterly or 
however often you know payments people make definitely smooth the ride correct and what about for people listening that maybe it's their been their first year as an investor and they've never had to do a tax return as an investor for what things should they be thinking more proactively about when it comes to tax time yeah so that's a good question kate so there's probably two things there's probably the what i'd call the income side of things so whether you know if you're investing in shares or you know property you've got the dividends rent and you know interest and then you've got the kind of the what i call the asset side or the investment side where you've got the effectively that's disposal of that so with the income side of things uh it's just making sure that you include that on the specific labels on the tax return now with things like interest uh, and dividends uh, we can pre-fill that so that mm. you just have to not lodge your tax return on the 1st of July, wait <laughs> yeah. a bit of time. You know, we always say kind of end of July and typically that information is pre-filled and all you need to do is check to make sure it's correct. Uh, but, you know, for things like, you know, crypto, for example, like and you get, you know, where you can get income like staking rewards or airdrops, you, you've got to make sure you include that um, specifically in, in other income. As I mentioned before, with the disposal of assets, there's typically capital gains tax consequences when you dispose of an asset, um, and it's considered to be part of like income tax, but one thing to kind of remember is that if you've held the asset for at least 12 months, you can get a capital gains discount, and that's typically 50% if you hold it that as an individual. So that's something um, your listeners should be aware of. Mm. Um, and if you are lodging uh, using our my, you know, free MyTax platform, you know, we've got like these videos that you can look, look at and um, they can kind of walk you through how to declare your investments. So that's at ato.gov.au forward slash CGT videos. There'll be a heap of uh, resources and links to the ATO website in the show notes for anyone who's interested. And I think that's really important. You obviously should be speaking to a tax accountant um, or consulting your tax advisor appropriately or just reviewing the ATO website. That's really important. It's a great resource too with plenty of case studies and examples. Um, I think that's a maybe. I think that CGT discount is actually something maybe we can just quickly double click yep. on. Can you just explain what that means? Because a lot of our community do invest, and if they're one to three years, and they might still not truly grasp this. Yeah. So when it comes to capital gains, so if you've held that held that asset for twelve months, uh, as I said before, you can get a capital gains tax discount. Now, with that discount, you just basically let's say the game was a thousand dollars. Instead of including a thousand dollars in your, your your tax return, you just include the five hundred dollars mm. in the tax return. So that's basically that fifty percent discount in operation. Now, the other thing that can happen with when you invest, obviously, is sometimes you don't make money. Yeah. You sometimes lose money. That's it's happened, happened to, to me. the best of yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm part of that crew as well. Um, you know, you can have capital losses, and so those capital losses can be offset against other capital gains made in that year. Or they can also be carried forward. So just and it's not kind of limited to a particular asset class. So you can use that. Say you made a capital loss on some property and you wanted to offset that against some capital gains you made on shares. You can do that in the same year. And if you don't use all of that capital loss, you can carry it forward into a later year. So that's mm. something for your listeners to kind of keep in mind. Mm, absolutely, it's so important. Some of these, these are big. I would put that as like the big rocks yeah. in the yeah. in the tax jar for yeah. people to understand. Yep, and so it's a pretty easy one to get your head around. Yeah, and we have another question come in because um, often if people are in a relationship, they've got some joint brokerage accounts. And one of the questions was, how does tax work if I've got a, a joint? brokerage account with my spouse to buy and sell investments. Yeah, if, look, if you own investments jointly, your ownership interest is likely to be, you know, 50-50 uh, unless you've got some sort of other agreement in place with your 
uh, with the other person or spouse uh, for some other distribution amount. So we do often see people try and try and pull the wool over our eyes, so to speak, and get tax benefits and when they're probably not supposed to. So that's like when couples, you know, add investment income for the lower paid spouse's mm. tax return. You know, that's something that's just not that's just a no no because it's against it goes against the legal the legal interest that you've agreed upon as, as spouses. So that's something um, we do pick up quite a bit and we obviously remind people not to do that. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, you mentioned before that uh, for that pre-fill with things like interest and that type of thing, it's best to wait a little while. Whereas I imagine some people, like, it's July 1, I want to get some money back in my refund if I get one. Um, when should people think about lodging and I don't know if this is the best time, but yeah, just how do you think about it generally? Yeah, look, generally speaking, we say, you know, wait to the end of July. And that's when a lot of that third party information information is already automatically included in your tax return. So that's that information from government um, agencies like Service Australia, if you're receiving incomes from there, income from there, your employers, um, bank interests, a lot of that information's automatically pre-filled into your tax return. So that means it's, it's, it just makes it easy for you to do tax mm. returns. So for me, I'm, I'm pretty lazy. So I like that information there. I just make sure that's all included. So we, we you know, I know, you know, the cost of living pressures are high. So people are kind of eager to kind of lodge mm. their tax return. But what we do see a lot of people do is make a lot of mistakes kind of in those first couple of weeks of July. And we're doing a lot of checks. Yeah. Because, you know, we're seeing a lot of people make mistakes there. So it actually slows your tax return down. Because when we do see a mistake, we actually slow the you, we, we do mm. extra checks on people's tax returns. So, what we what we are seeing is that less people make mistakes when the pre-fields um, are completed into your tax return. So that's why we always say, if you if you wait to the end of July, most of your information, if you've got simple fares, is already in, included in your tax return, and that makes your job easier. And the other kind of benefit that people sometimes forget is that it gives you time if you're not as organised as Kate <laughs> to find those receipts from the first of July last year. To, and to make sure you're claiming the right deductions because we want people to get it right the first time because, again, when it comes to amendments, for example, um, and you know, amendments slow things down. So we want people to get it right the first time. So take your time. It's not, you know, it's not mm. the 100-meter 100 100 meter sprint at the Olympics. You know, take your time to get all your deductions right and also make sure all your income is included. Yeah, because chances are there might be a bank account you earned some interest on because finally we earned some interest on our <laughs> bank accounts yeah. this year. Yeah. Uh, you might forget about it. And yeah. so if... If it pops up in the pre-fill, that might jog your memory and go, oh, I had $50 of interest from the yeah. bank account. Oh, exactly. yeah, that happened. Mm. So what happens if people do get it wrong? Yeah, well, you know, if people get it wrong, you know, it depends on how bad they get it wrong. So if they're deliberately doing the wrong thing, we're going to come down really hard because, you know, that's what all Australians would want us to do if people were kind of deliberately gaming the system or taking the mickey out of the system. You know, if you are making the, you know, an odd you know, genuine mistake, you know, we want people to get it right. I mm. think I mentioned maybe before the show, you know, we talked about prevention before correction. We were really about wanting people to get it right the first time because mm. it's in our interest and everybody's interest to, you know, make sure people are doing the right thing the first time. So, you know, our view is, you know, if you are genuinely, if you've genuinely made a mistake, we're here to help you. If you know what that mistake is, you actually can do it yourself. So you can go on to ATO online, online services through the, your MyGov account if you're linked into the ATO and you can request an amendment yourself and make the change in, in the tax return yourself. 
Uh, it's really important to remember that if you have lodged a return and you've realised um, that you have made a mistake, just to wait for the assessment to come through on your original tax return before you um, make an amendment to the oh, tax right. return, just because it slows things down again. It just creates confusion and mm. it's better just wait a little bit longer just to make sure you um, – and then put in the amendment if you've found a mistake. Mm. Okay. That's good to know. So if I did discover I had a bank account, I'd earned $50 of interest on that I'd forgot to include in my original tax return, I can wait for my assessment to come through and then just log into my MyGov account, lodge an amendment with that additional bank interest, and there we go. Perfect. Well mm. said. Well said. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> okay. Hopefully um, that doesn't happen, though, Kate. No. I, I keep a spreadsheet. Yeah, you've got very good. <laughs> it won't happen to her. I don't know yeah, about you yeah, all. Yeah, it probably <laughs> happen to me, to be honest. Yeah. That one's a bit more chaotic than me. And, Tim, I know the ATO has a lot of helpful resources, and we've shared some in the past. Mm. There's some great guides for new investors, and as you said, there's job guides. Mm. So if you're a nurse or a teacher, you know what are some of the things you can claim or consider if you work in that profession. But are you able to talk about sort of the most helpful resources that listeners should be aware about if they need assistance getting their tax return done this year? Yeah, good question. There's a couple of things you can do. The first thing to do is you can start on our new to tax and super information on our on our website um, and you'll find information about you know why people pay tax and why it's important, accessing ATO online services through MyGov, uh, you know, you know, whether you've been start, you know, starting your first job or your first side hustle, uh, lodging your first tax return, we talk about super as well. So that's a really good place to start uh, in terms of um, that information. Uh, we also, as I mentioned before, we've got online calculators and tools to help figure out um, your working from home expenses, your capital gains tax consequences. So that's another part of the website which you can check out. Uh, and that's found at ato.gov.au forward slash new to tax. The other thing you can do is if you have really simple affairs, we've got this uh, service which is free and confidential uh, called Tax Help, uh, and that helps people earning $60,000 or less with simple affairs to lodge their um, tax return on their behalf and help them on their behalf. So if you want to find out inf- more information about that, uh, it's on ato.gov.au forward slash tax help. But um, what we always say to people these days is it's actually quite easy to lodge your tax return through our free platform, MyTax. Um, you know, if you've got more complicated affairs, you know, you've got lots of investments, ETFs, you know, you know rental property, you know, a side hustle, I'd probably go to a registered tax agent myself. But if you've got really simple affairs, just a salary and wage earner, you know, got a bit of interest from your bank account, dividends from shares, um, I would just do it myself um, because, you know, it's it is really easy and simple these days to do it, mm. and our website's got heaps of information that makes it really easy and simple for people to to do it themselves. So, um, from my perspective, you know, it's not as hard as people think. Um, that's probably what I'd leave your listeners with. Yeah, mm. it does that's seem great. a bit scary and overwhelming doing taxes for the first time. I remember when I was eighteen doing my first tax return; it was all a bit overwhelming. Um, but now I've done it a few times, and I use the help of a, an accountant. It, it's a little bit easier. Mm. Absolutely, yeah, you got expert help. Not so completely want- easier, but easier. Tim, thank you for joining us in the studio. It's a real pleasure to see you sitting before us and taking some time to share your wisdom. Um, I'm sure people can find you on LinkedIn as well and uh, see plenty of the other media appearances that you've done, but we do appreciate you taking some time to join Kate and I in the studio. Uh, thanks, Owen. Thanks, Kate. It's re- really beneficial for us to able to be able to be on your podcast and we, we just really, really appreciate the opportunity. So thanks for having me on. Thank you. And Kate, as always, thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening, everyone. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. We hope you learned something new and were able to take one thing away from this episode. If you're keen to learn more, head on over to Rask Education and take one of our free money and investing courses. You could even become a Rask Core member for less than your Netflix subscription each month. And don't forget to subscribe for new episodes in your inbox every week. Plus, if you enjoyed the show, we'd love you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and send any questions our way via the link in the description. And before we go on, did this podcast contain personal financial advice just for me? Absolutely not, Kate. Our podcast actually contains general financial information only. What that means is the information does not take into account your financial needs, goals, objectives, or even your situation. So because of that, it's important that you consider if the information is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on it. If that all sounds a bit confusing or you're still working out what your needs are, it's a great idea to consult a licensed and trusted financial planner. And don't forget to do your own research. I am so excited to tell you that InvestSmart and Intelligent Investor are long-term sponsors of this podcast. And here's something I want to tell you about. The Intelligent Investor Select Value Fund is a unique mix of global leaders and homegrown small caps poised for long-term growth. The portfolio manager is Nathan Bell, a talented investor you may have heard on the Rust Network multiple times. The Select Value Fund is designed for investors seeking international diversification and Aussie companies with superior financial metrics. You can invest today at intelligentinvestor.com.au slash IISV offer. That's intelligentinvestor.com.au slash IISV offer. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Before you go, I wanted to share some things with you. Specifically, I wanted to tell you about the 10 ways that Rask could help you in 2024. As many of you know, Rask has grown to become one of the biggest investing and finance platforms in Australia. Across our podcasts, our websites, our memberships, and so on, we now engage around 200,000 Aussies, which considering we started in a humble lounge room on a Kmart desk, one of those old fake white wooden ones, I'm pretty ecstatic about where we are six years later. As part of becoming one of Australia's biggest platforms for wealth creation and preservation, we now have a very special position in the country in that we can bring you some of the best, most thoughtful, expert-driven ways to protect and grow your wealth. And I'm going to share some of those with you now. I've got 10 ways that we can potentially help you or match you with someone who can. The first thing that I want to tell you about is the biggest step we've ever taken at Rask which is the launch of our Rask Invest platform. This is a platform that lets our team, led by me, invest for you, primarily through low-cost, diversified ETFs. We'll have three strategies at launch, and every investor who comes through can pick one of the three strategies being a balanced strategy, a growth strategy, and a high-growth strategy. The balance strategy focuses on passive income and the high growth strategy focuses on longer term compounding. You will find a link in your podcast player to register your interest. We will be taking off soon. Number two, if you prefer to DIY your investing, you can join me and over 4,000 members inside Rascore. That's our full ETF and ASX share research membership community. 
You can join now and you'll get updated ETF portfolio recommendations every quarter, as well as ongoing ASX and global stock research. Every single month, we call them the all-star stocks. You get that alongside the ETF portfolios, as well as other members-only content. It's called Rascor. Number three, our first ever partnership with a business other than our own was a business by the name of Blusk, which has since become Flint Group. Flint Group is led by Chris Bates and Christian Stevens, two of Australia's most highly regarded mortgage brokers. Already over 200 RAS community members have begun the RASC plus Flint Group mortgage broking process. You can click the link in your podcast player if you're refinancing, investing, a first home buyer, or whatever. You've probably heard Chris on the show many times. Number four, you can connect with our most trusted financial advisors. Whether you're 25 years old, just graduated uni and looking to set yourself up or approaching or in retirement and you've got that nest egg you want to protect and generate a passive income from, you can get in contact with our trusted panel of financial advisors. You can find the link in your podcast player. It's there each and every week. Just click the thing that says financial planning. Number five, if you want specialist insurance advice, as Warren Buffett said, rule number one is don't lose money. And rule number two is don't forget rule number one. Insurance is vitally important, especially when it comes to your number one asset, you. Whether you're a single income household or a couple and you just want to protect what would happen if. You want to protect your family if something goes wrong. You want to protect your spouse if you lose your job. You want to protect yourself if you hurt yourself on the weekend at footy. Insurance is a way to do that. And I think the best way to do insurance is through a financial planner. And there's a few reasons for that. But one of them is sometimes some insurers will only work with financial advisors, but they can also be your companion as you go through the sometimes daunting process of getting insurance done properly. Sometimes you might not even know, but you're not even covered, even though you think you are. So get the right advice. You'll find a link in the show notes to check that out. Number six, buying property. If you're like me and you're thinking of buying property in the next 12 months, or maybe you've already invested and you're looking to downsize, getting the right advice and being able to build wealth through property is a proven strategy. It might be one of the most contentious, but I think that we have one of Australia's best property coaches in our ranks. That is Pete Wargen. Pete is the host of the now super popular Australian property podcast by Rask, and he's also my analyst team's macro consultant. So if you're a member of Rascor, you will have seen Pete's name around the traps. He's a property coach and buyer's agent, and he works with a select number of people each and every year. Just a note on this. This is not a commercial thing with Pete. Pete just has great services, so we offer them to the community. And when he fills up, he fills up. You can find out more about Pete's coaching in the show notes. Next up, tracking your portfolio for tax. I think you are because I think you have to. So we've partnered with Nevexa to help you manage your share and ETF reporting, whether it's tax or performance. All RASC users get 20% off an annual plan with Nevexa. You can sync your portfolio with Nevexa's software and it automatically tracks your dividends, your capital gains tax, and more. Again, not a commercial partnership. We don't make anything from working with Nevexa, but they do create some great tools which the RASC community uses each and every day. Number eight, want to run your own business? Maybe you already do. If you want more profit, but less stress, less time consumed, 
and less energy lost, get in contact. We have a partner business called Inflection. The Inflection Accelerator Program is a complete online course that helps you and a community of members engage and follow a proven strategy for growing your business. I'm grateful to be one of the coaches inside the Accelerator Program, helping business owners right across Australia. You can find more following the link in your podcast player. It's the one that says coaching. Number nine, if you haven't already checked it out, join over 20,000 other people who tune into the Rask YouTube channel. It is completely free and you get notified when we go live and when we publish podcast episodes. There is a podcast on the Rask network each and every day, as well as bite-sized material that's less than 60 seconds or those really punchy tutorials and webinars that are just 15 minutes that take you through a really exciting topic, whether it's how to buy a property, whether it's how to pick a dividend ETF. Some of our most popular content actually just explains things like, what the heck is franking credits and how do I calculate if I've got some? That's on our YouTube channel. Number 10, if you want to be a better investor, a saver, a better partner with money, or just understand your own relationship with money, you can do that all of that, by going to the Rask Education website and taking a free course. We've enrolled over 26,000 students at the time of this recording, and we're on a mission to get to 100,000 in the next few years. Rask Education is our mostly free education platform covering everything from budgeting and automation to the probably, I would say, the best value investing program in the country. So whether you're a value investor an intermediate investor, you want to know how to value Woolworths shares, or you simply just want to understand what ethical investing is or buy your first property and what actually happens on settlement day, head to the Rask Education website and enroll in something today. It is free and it supports us because then I can come on here next month and I can say we've got 27,000 and hopefully we reach critical mass where we can help more Australians manage their money better. Thank you for listening to this long-winded ad If you want to get in contact with me, you know where to go. There's a link in your show notes. Basically, these 10 services, even though some of them we don't make any money from, support Rask and allow us to produce these podcasts, attract the biggest and best guests from Australia and around the world, and bring them to you to answer your questions. Thank you for being part of the Rask Network, and thank you for your ongoing support. Bye for now.